Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. And man, do we ever need to know His Word to make it through this world as pilgrims walking through Babylon, a fallen world system, on our way to our heavenly home with Jesus Christ. If you're a believer, you understood everything I just said. If you're not a believer yet, hang with us and you'll understand better. You may even decide that you as well want to be a believer in Jesus Christ. Well, that's a very odd title that I've chosen today, Pilgrims in Babylon. That's our series title in 1 Peter and 2 Peter. But why did I choose the title Suffer like a champion today. Well, I like college football. And my favorite team is the Georgia Bulldogs, and they suffer a lot. But I am talking about Notre Dame's Fighting Irish, where when they leave the field and come back on the field, they hit that sign at the tunnel, play like a champion today. So I've taken that, and I'm talking about suffer like a champion today. Why would I talk about that? That seems like a very odd thing to say. Well, you may suffer like a champion today because global big tech has a propaganda machine that's operating very well. And you see that when you try to post on social media. You see that all of the media is conspiring to deliver one uniform message. That's called propaganda, folks. And then we think of things like coronavirus, the hysteria around it. I realize it's real, and I know of people who passed away directly because of coronavirus, but the hysteria is off the charts. Then we think about coronavirus lockdowns. Not sure what that actually has to do with stopping coronavirus. I mean, it hasn't so far. And we've all been locked down. But many of you who are listening live in states where you are literally suffering due to coronavirus hysteria and lockdowns. Then we think of election fraud. Now listen, don't tune me out. I'm a fairly intelligent person and I'm an excellent student. And just because you may not have studied this, and you may not have listened to any other sources other than global big tech propaganda, don't count me out because I'm a great student. I mean, I'm good at that. And I know for sure that there has been amazing amounts of election fraud in our nation, and it's being evidenced and laid out. But, you know, you may not agree with that, but I'll tell you what, half the country feels in a very real way there we have suffered election fraud and we're going to get to the bottom of it and then of course no matter what happens no matter who wins the presidential election in america it doesn't even matter there's going to be election chaos that results from this and we're going through some of it now it's going to keep going on and there's going to be a post-election meltdown I think if President Trump emerges as the true elected candidate and is is reelected, I think cities and suburbs are going to burn. I'm not advocating that. 
I'm just saying I think that's going to happen because we already know what the playbook is. That would be one of the options. And if President, uh, the president is, in fact, Joe Biden, I think there's still going to be post-election meltdowns, maybe in a different way, but this is not going to be easy. And I'm telling you, because of all of this, and because I know a little bit about world history, because of the chaos and the disorder, control is coming. And you've seen nothing yet with the coronavirus lockdowns. I mean, that's those are just, um, uh, you know, pregame drills. They're just <clears throat> warm-up practice for the control that is coming. And if you want to know more about all of this, you can go farther back at This Week in the Word and look at, just look at some of the titles like um, uh, China's New Long March to Global Tyranny 2040. It looks like it's going to come sooner than that. But look at, listen to some of those. Listen to future trends. Listen to uh, the Great Rapture debate. And there, there are just many other episodes you can listen to. And you will agree after you listen to them, yep, control is coming. And then we hear about the Great Reset. Now, by the way, the global propaganda machine says, oh, that's just nonsense. Well, why are political leaders talking about it? Got you on that one, didn't I? Now, it's been moved from January 2021 to June 2021. The World Economic Forum will meet, and they will decide, I, I think they think, they will decide how to do this great global Great Reset. Uh, it can't be good. <laughs> it cannot be good. And if you know anything about UN Agenda uh, 2021, I think it is, or 2020, or UN Agenda 2030, that one especially, um, yeah, hey, just read over it. You'll get it. If you don't, um, you'll really love what's in store for you. And then the church is under attack. And you know why churches are under attack? Like you can't meet I mean, you can burn down a city and protest all over it. Nothing much happens. But you let five little old ladies get together at church, and all of a sudden it's a big issue. Come on. The church is under attack. Here's why. It's simple. The church is one of the last places that stands for freedom. The church helps people think. I know many of you do not agree with this, but trust me on this. The church, churches, help people think independently of what government tells them to think. You see what I'm saying? Then we live in a post-Christian culture, but maybe not too far from now, not too far away from now, the world's going to be living in an anti-Christian culture. We're, we're right on the edge of that right now. There is a new world order coming. They've kind of quit calling it that, and it's now the Great Reset, but you know, call it whatever you want. There is a global government coming. I don't have time to get into all of this, but this has been prophesied for more than 2,500 years to happen. And then the Apostle John prophesied about it in the book of the Revelation. Jesus talked about it, and 
listen, this is a trap, Jesus said, that is coming on the world. And it's coming. Whether you want it to come or not, it's coming. But isn't it better to know that it's coming and to be prepared to trust in Christ before that? Now, let me give you a very technical phrase for everything I've said so far. There's a whole lot of suffering going to be going on. That's what, that's what the technical phrase is. We are heading for an oppressive, non-Christian, and oppressive, anti-Christian global government. And this is the same type of government that existed to some extent in the day in which Peter wrote. Rome thought that they controlled the whole world, or they acted like it. And they were an oppressive, non-Christian government. And indeed, at times, under various Caesars, there were 10 major persecutions. The Roman Empire was an oppressive, anti-Christian government. So Peter, what we're going to read here, he writes while he lives under this very world government. It was not quite as global as they thought, but the one that's coming will be truly global. But the Roman Empire, in the Roman Empire, it is estimated that well over 60 million people were born and died as a slave. Did you know that? All this screaming today about slavery, you know, it was real. I get it. But it was nothing compared to slavery in the Roman Empire. If you weren't rich, you were a slave. Everybody in the Roman Empire pretty much was a slave except the elites, pretty much like today. So we need to suffer like a champion, and it may be today when we do this. So I want you to think in terms of suffering like a champion. Are you with me? You understand what we're saying? And uh, pardon my scratchy voice, but uh, I'll work through it today if you'll be patient. All right. In November 2020 and into 2021 and beyond, we will have to apply what we're going to read from 1 Peter 2, 11 through 25 today. We'll have to apply it. And after we read and comment on 1 Peter 2, 11 to 25, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help us think about how is that applied right now and even into the future You know what, though? This is the greatest thing. This is the whole point of this message today. Thankfully, we have an example, a champion in suffering to follow. And this is even better. He walks with us every step of the way. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, the Lord Jesus Christ says. Amen? All right, so let's let's learn what does it mean to suffer like a champion today. Well, we're going to the book of 1 Peter. That's in the New Testament, kind of toward the end. It's right before 2 Peter. Thank you, Pastor Ed. You've helped me so much. I do what I can, right? 1 Peter chapter 2, and we, we looked at uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 10 in the last episode. So today we're in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 to 25. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, 
they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. All right, now let's break down those two verses. Part of suffering like a champion today is we've got to get, get over ourselves. All right, we, we got to get over ourselves. Now, we're told here, he, he calls us, the Lord does really through Peter, dearly beloved, we are especially deeply loved by the Lord. And, and Peter addresses us as dearly beloved. I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims. There it is. This is not our home. We're, we're going through a very difficult world to heaven if we are true believers in Jesus Christ. Well, he's writing to us as strangers and pilgrims. We are living in Babylon, that fallen, chaotic, smoking wreckage of a world system. It's a, like a rotting corpse. And we're going through this world as strangers and pilgrims, but it's something we've got to do to do this right. We've got to abstain, withhold ourselves from fleshly lusts. What are those? It's, you know how... It, it, when you look at the people around you who are not saved, they're not Christians yet. I mean, whatever the world's into, they just dive in head first. You know, if, um, just you know, do whatever you want to do, that kind of thing. You know, if you want to, um, you know, you can't live without buying twenty-two cups of Starbucks every day. You know, I'm just picking on them because I like it. All right, but um, I don't go there. But anyway. There's a there's a spirit of the age, and it always caters to what you want. You get what I'm saying? Peter says, hey, war against that, because it wars against your soul. And my soul is the real me, right? I'm not to live a life of ease. I am to go through this world like a stranger and pilgrim, like a good soldier of the Lord. What kind of soldier would a soldier be if he was supposed to be going to battle and he kept being distracted by everything the world had to offer, like Pinocchio at the fair. That's not how we're to live because living that way, knowing everything there is to know about every show on television and, and some of them you lose IQ points when you watch, all right? Don't do that. Um that wars against your soul, your heart and mind, your your soul and your spirit. You see, you can't you can't get through here, through this world like you need to quickly and with as little damage as possible by enjoying everything the world has to offer. Come on. He says in verse 12, having your conversation, that word means our lifestyle, the way we live. Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles. These were Gentiles or the non-believers largely. So I'm assuming that a good number of the people that Peter wrote to here were Jewish Christians. Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. So the, the lost people around us who don't see anything wrong with this world system, they love it, 
and they think you're totally quirky because you're not immersed in it. You know, they they say bad things about you. Do you know that in the Soviet Union and its satellite communist countries before that fell, and now it's trying to be res- resurrected here in America, but um, did you know that one of the lies that they spread about churches is that churches in, uh, engaged in cannibalism, literally, that they, they ate the body and blood of Christ? And I think this even was said in the Roman Empire, but, but in the 20th century, the communists said this about Christians, literally, Think about what I just said. So Peter says, you know, it's sort of like I'm saying something he didn't say here. He didn't say just scream and yell at them and tell them they're wrong and explain it to them. He didn't say that, interestingly. He says, um, you know, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, that they may by your good works. So we're supposed to be doing good that people can't help but see. Like when you take groceries to someone who needs groceries or you comfort someone who's bereaved or you take care of someone who's sick, you know, and many other things that are good works, that they may, by your good works, which they shall behold, I mean, you can't help but see it if you're engaged in it, glorify God in the day of visitation. I mean, they're going to have to say, yeah, the truth is, the Christians were good people, right? That's, that's what we want them to say now, and they're certainly going to have to admit that when the Lord holds them to account. All right, verse 13. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. But I don't like that ordinance, like mask ordinances, etc. I don't, I don't even want to get into all of that. The, just... I have my opinions, and you may have yours, and it may not be the same thing. He says here, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. That is, that we can keep a good witness before lost people, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers, not people who are trying to do right, governors, or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God, that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. You know, sometimes people criticize Christians because they just don't understand one of the best ways to get them to understand is for them to see it with their own eyes that Christians who love the Lord are the best neighbors and best citizens and employees and so students and so on that they could ever wish for. Now, we should be that, by the way. And when we are, it will help solve this problem to a great degree. So, as much as we can for because of our relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ and our, our witness, our testimony, we're supposed to do everything we can to not be a problem and a burr under the saddle to government and the people around us, all right? 
but especially to government. And God says that many times this will help them understand and they'll realize, hey, I need to lighten up on these people. They're some of the few people that are trying to do right. <laughs> Verse 16, as free and not, you know, we know that we're not in bondage, should not be to government. We know that we're free, as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness. So we're to be true blue, the real deal, loyal. And let's say, now I'm going to just tell you, I voted for President Trump, and I, I can list all the reasons why. He wasn't my first choice way back, but I think he loves America, period. But if Joe Biden is elected president of the United States, uh, truly, then I'm supposed to do what I can to be a good citizen, pray for him, all of that. Uh, of course, when they do something that violates the Word of God, I'm to hold them accountable for it, too. But I'm not just supposed to be a bad actor as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as servants of God. We can do that with the Lord's help, right? Yeah. Verse 17, honor all men. That's a good place to start. Quit being hard to deal with, okay? Honor all men. Love the brotherhood. I believe that's talking about us as Christians, the church, our fellow believers in the Lord. You know, this is no time for true believers in the Lord to be arguing with one another. <laughs> Honor all men. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Reverence God. Have a true, holy, healthy love and respect for the Lord. Amen? Honor the king. Now, by the way, the Bible tells us that one of the ways we honor the government is taxes, all right? So if you're going to go down the road of being uh, anti-tax and you're, you're, and you're a Christian, you're kind of going off the rails there a little bit. I get it. I do get it. But verse 17 in First Peter 2 says, Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Verse 18, and this verse seems odd where it is, sort of. Like, why would he just say this here until you remember that 60 million people, probably way more than that, in the Roman Empire were slaves. They were born that way, and they took their last breath as a slave. They were a slave to someone who owned them. Yikes. Verse 18. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear. You know, if I was one of these people, I was born into this, I didn't choose it. But unless I want to die today, I've got to be subject to the person who thinks they own me with all fear. Be subject to your masters with all fear. So, um, you know, a, a, a slave rebellion in the Roman Empire would have lasted about 15 minutes. Okay? Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear. 
I like the quote by Clint Eastwood in one of his movies, a man's got to know his limitations. <laughs> well, right here, those that were born into, lived their whole lives in, and died in slavery in the Roman Empire, which is almost everybody except the big rich people, uh, like I said, pretty much like today, is getting there. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, I mean, that's easy, right? Not only the good and to the good and gentle, but also to the forward. But my master is harsh and unreasonable. Well, they're especially the ones that you're to uh, be subject to with all fear. Now, what if somebody had the opportunity to be free? Then go free, the Bible says. But there may not be a way out of that. And you've got to be, like Jesus said, be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove, right? So you've got to um, think, you know, spiritually and navigate this because it's not easy. And maybe there are people that I may not even understand about today listening and saying, hey, I'm in that, and this this is hard, but it's helping me, but this is very hard. I'm not minimizing it, and Peter is not either. Amen? Verse 19, here's, here's if even when it's hard to do it, if you remember this verse, God will help you get, get it done. Verse 19, for this is thankworthy, if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. Well, who would ever do that? Um, the Lord Jesus Christ did it for you. He did not die for his sins. He died for your sins. That cross that he allowed himself to be placed on was your cross, buddy, and mine. For this is thankworthy, if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. So our champion, our example is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. We deserve to die on our own cross for our own sins, which would never pay for our sins and be eternally condemned to hell. Jesus stepped in who and he knew no sin. He never sinned. He was the perfect, innocent, sinless, blameless Lamb of God. He took our cross and paid our price so that we could be forgiven and have eternal life. Amen. So, verse 19, let me read it again. For this is thankworthy. If a man for conscience toward God, endure grief, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it if when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently? That is, you know, if, if you're a servant, let's, and let's just, you know, get in the, the, uh, the way forward machine here go forward to where we are let's say you work somewhere and you're trying to do a good job and your boss is always screaming at you well if you're messing up and doing wrong you deserve it you need to up your game 
For what glory is it if you, when you be buffeted for your faults, you shall take it patiently? And I bet you're not even taking that patiently, even though that would be your fault. Verse 20 again. Let's go right back to that. For what glory is it if when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently? Like, well, of course. I mean, we deserve it. But if when ye do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. That makes you walk so much in the footsteps of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I didn't even do wrong. I don't deserve this. But you you line yourself up under that and you go through it patiently. God is so pleased with you because you look so much like His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the way, is God in human form. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. For ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Amen. So we're to, we're to do the right thing, live the right way, and be the best citizens and best employees and students and all of that, church members that we can possibly be to bear witness to Jesus Christ. And if, when we're doing those things, we suffer for that. Oh man, think about it. We have been chosen to suffer for his sake. Amen. I, I don't want to suffer, <laughs> and you probably don't either, but if I'm chosen for that, what a humbling thing. And I get to walk with Jesus through suffering. Now, we think about our brothers and sisters in Christ all over the world, many of whom are suffering literally because of their faith in Christ. Many are being economically oppressed. They are being physically abused. Some are even actually being physically killed, thankfully, we don't have to fear those who can kill only the body because our spirit goes to be with the Lord Jesus immediately. Amen? Amen. But as we think about that, we think not only of those martyrs, but we think increasingly in our own country where people are just trying to 
do the right thing in so many ways. Let's just take churches, for example. Many churches have closed down and are having services online, which I feel for the short term, I understood that initially. I'm not here to judge you if for your health you're staying at home. But I feel that this is part of a greater plan to silence, compromise, or eliminate the church. And I think we're approaching the point where if your church has not been open, you should reopen safely, as they say, but reopen as a witness for Christ and, and provide online services. And then members can make their choice as to what they feel like they need to do. But when, when government begins to say you cannot meet, and if you meet, we're going to threaten you with fines or jail time or cut off water and electricity and things like that, in other words, single out Christians primarily and Jewish people, I'll point that out as well, for special treatment, then, then we have to ask ourselves, how do we apply what we've just heard in this context? And you can think, for example, of Dr. John MacArthur, pastor of Grace Community Church out in California, and, and there are many others, but he's probably the most notable who's done his best to do what I'm about to lay out for you, and many other pastors have as well. But as MacArthur said, someone asked him what happens, you know, if, if, if we are, are persecuted for this. He said, the first hill we come to will die on it. I like that. Now, in my own strength, I can't do that. But if I'm faced with that, I believe, like evangelist D.L. Moody said when he was asked, could he die for the Lord? He said, basically, standing here right now, probably not. But if I was faced with it, I'm sure he would give me the grace to do that. Amen. That's my answer. I know if I'm faced with persecution of of any kind the lord will be with me and he will help me and even if i suffer in great ways i'm good with that because i'm with jesus how about you let's apply what we've seen americans most of you listening are american citizens americans are blessed with a constitution that is the envy of the entire world our Constitution protects and guarantees our rights given to us by God. That's a fact. God delegates his authority, his power. We know this from Romans 13. God delegates his authority to government leaders to protect against the triumph of evil. Can you imagine a world where there's nothing to hold back the forces of evil? That would be a, a world with no effective government, complete third world chaos. Now, 
so God, uh, he, he loans his authority, underline that, to government leaders to protect against the triumph of evil and reward right living, those that do well. That's the way it's designed to work. And in America, up, up until about, it feels like up until about uh, 60 years ago, this is kind of how it worked. We were never perfect. Nobody ever said that. But generally speaking, this was kind of how it worked. But many other ideologies and God is dead movement and all that kind of stuff got in America and things have been royally messed up. By the way, almost everything you see in our country that you don't like and you hate, it's, it came in when we turned our back on God. So those who advocate those things, they've done a royal job of messing up our country. Thank you. We can't thank you enough if you're one of those progressive, liberal, socialist types. I mean, you guys own it because you've largely been in control since the 60s to a great degree, not exclusively, but to a massive degree in terms of, of the thought leadership, um, universities, almost every, every level of government down to dog catcher. And uh, so what we look around and we see now that we hate, um, you guys own it. Now, say, well, I'm not one of those. Good for you. Government, government and officials will one day give an account to God for how they used or misused his delegated authority. And, you know, if you're the right kind of leader, you realize that and you want to do the right thing. Of course, if you don't know about God and you don't believe in God or you hate God, you hate this and you have no intention of ever giving an account, but uh, you don't get a vote on that. You're going to give an account to God for how you used or misused his delegated authority given to you. Now, as Christians and American citizens, we have the right, privilege, and duty to protect our freedom against government when it abuses its God-given authority. And it's about our motives, our attitudes, and our spirit, you know, inside. That's where it all starts. That's, it's about our motives, attitudes, and spirits. And the best way to win a battle, like that Chinese general guy said, is to never have one. So if we can be the best citizens possible and be able to be a righteous influence on mayors, governors, senators, presidents, etc., then we should use that to the max, baby. I think we've gone past that point. <laughs> but we, we should try to be, with God's help, the best citizens any government could be blessed with. But! If government steps across the line, 
you've, you've got to be doing your duty. You've got to vote. Uh-oh. This, this is part of the problem. Whether, whether everyone listening agrees with what I'm about to say or not, let's say you disagree with it. I want you to think, though, about what this means. When 73 million voters feel that there was outrageous, I mean, not the normal Chicago way and the normal Tammany Hall type corruption in New York, and we know about that. And if those folks like it up there, hey, knock yourself out. But 73 million voters, at, as I record this on Sunday, November 29, 2020, we truly feel that there has been outrageous, clandestine, covert election fraud across the nation but it was so sloppy, it got caught. But if it's not remedied and the true, whatever the truth is, if the true actual vote is not known, but all of this is covered up and hidden, well, now you've got 73 million, that's just 73 million voters, add in an average of one other person in their household, and that's low, is probably, for every voter, there's probably two people in their household who didn't vote or aren't voting age. That's a ton of people. So you've got a massive, massive chunk, I would say half of the country, that would feel that voting no longer matters. And you know, when you take away someone's, in America, when you take away their right to let their views be known through peaceful voting, it kind of pushes them to saying, well, if our votes no longer count, then how can we make sure our viewpoint counts? And that's why the founders gave us a Second Amendment, to protect our freedom. Now, way before that, we should be communicating, we should be appealing to those in, in power. And like Daniel, we should give a creative alternative like Daniel and Mishael, Azariah, and Hananiah did. They could not eat the king's uh, food because it would violate their, their, um, the law of God as Jewish men. But Daniel didn't say, drop dead, I'm not eating your food you know, and whip out a sword, right? God gave him wisdom and he proposed a creative alternative like, hey, let's just have a test. Let's see how it comes out. God honored Daniel and his friends and they were allowed, in fact, everybody had to eat what they ate. <laughs> I love that part. So if government steps across the line, man, you know, we got we to gotta vote, we got to communicate, we got to appeal, we got to offer creative alternatives. And like I said last week, uh, uh, Mishael, Azariah, and Hananiah, later they faced a similar thing, a bow or burn, you know, the fiery furnace. And they said, uh, hey, our God's able to deliver us we're not going to bow to your image. 
And our God is able to deliver us, but if not, we're not bowing. But if not, I want to read for you a but if not passage. And it happens to be, wow, by the same person who wrote 1 Peter. Because Peter, before he was the older apostle who wrote this, he was a younger apostle still back in Jerusalem. So we read these words in Acts 4, 17 to 20. They've already been hauled up before the Jewish uh, religious authorities and questioned and threatened and everything. You know, they've already, they're already in trouble, all right? They were, they were just upsetting everything by spreading the word about this resurrected Jesus Christ who changed people's lives, and he still does that. Amen. So we read in verse 17, but that it spread no further among the people. Let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. That's the name of Jesus now. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So there could well come a time, I think it's, it's rushing upon us here, and it, it'll be here quick if President Biden wins. Uh, it may be a, a little farther down the road if President Trump is reelected. But we're coming to the point rapidly where we have to have two things in mind. We are to submit to the government until it commands us to disobey God. Number one. Number two, we are to suffer for God as a witness to government. So we submit to the government until it commands us to disobey God. And number two, we suffer for God as a witness to government. Now, there are those um, among churches in the Christian community who believe that we should resort to arms. I'm not advocating that. Here, I can understand where things could get to a point where people felt that they needed to do that. Um, and I don't have to do it because I know plenty of people who are Christians and non-Christians who just about had it. So if the other side resorts to force, uh, probably it will be met with force. And our side does target practice. <laughs> so I'm not threatening anything. I'm not saying that. But I'm just saying, government should think long and hard about the road it wants to go down because it will not be an easy road for anyone. Now, so I, I'm aware of that element, but, but, but remember those two things. Submit to the government until it commands us to disobey God. And number two, suffer for God as a witness to government. Now, 
we will suffer tribulation, small t. You know, we will suffer trouble, persecution, tribulation before the tribulation, capital T. But I understand from the Bible that the tribulation is preceded by the rapture of the church. When the Lord Jesus Christ returns in the air to take his church home, the tribulation will then unfold on the earth where there's really no one to do good, to hold back evil. And we return with Christ to the earth, to the Mount of Olives, where Christ will set up a thousand-year reign literally on this earth from his throne in Jerusalem. <laughs> I'm loving it. If you're, if you're not, I don't care. That's what's going to happen. So with all of that in mind, and because he's in me and with me and will never leave me, I say we suffer like a champion today. If you have spiritual questions, if you would like to know how to become a Christian, call this number, 888-537-8720. Well, thank you for listening today. It is, it is my privilege. I, I enjoy these. This has been a long one. Usually they're about 30 minutes. But it's been long because we're at a great crossroads in our country. Thanks for listening. Share this with somebody else. You know, just tell them, hey, type in your search bar, www.dredhill.podbean.com. Bam, they'll go right to it. Subscribe and you'll be alerted every time, uh, every week when a podcast is posted. Thanks so much. God bless you. And I'll see you soon on the next podcast.